0: Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT, Always a pleasure to have you here on the broadcast Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora proudly brings you where sports meets life. Sports is that vehicle that I use to drive faith, comedy, honesty, humility, community, and so on and so forth to you every single day. If I can leave you with a smile on your face that's maybe a little bit bigger than the one you had, or maybe it's a smile that had to become one from something else on your face that wasn't as happy, that's what we do here on Wake Up Call with Dan I Love speaking with the people that we speak with and always hoping that the positive message comes through. Marvin Graves is our Monday morning quarterback. He's had a couple weeks off. The tryptophan and the turkey must have taken it to Marvin, and now he's with us. So Marvin, we we're happy that you're out of the uh, the 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 Thanksgiving hangover, so to speak, and we're happy to have you back.
1: Uh, great to be back, Dan. Um I always look forward to doing the show. Uh, get to talk Syracuse football and, and other topics. So, um, you know, sorry that I missed the last couple of weeks, uh, but it you know, we finished nine and three and. You know, bowl eligible. We definitely go into a nice bowl game, playing against
0: a a really good a really good opponent and a familiar opponent. And that's uh, and speaking here with Marvin Graves, our Monday morning quarterback here on a Wednesday this week. Ad libbing a little bit, we'll be back on Monday from here on out. And Marvin Graves, Syracuse Orange quarterback alum, and did some great things in his time at Syracuse, and is still in the record books in the top three, four for a lot of these pieces. And Eric Dungey had just passed him. In, in one of the pieces of history just to show how long Marvin Graves has stayed within that ranker and, and in the top three still in in, in those respects when you look at, you know, total career yards and so on and so forth. So Marvin, when you go back to your history of, of being at Syracuse and, and your connection to this storied program, it's been a long time since they've had success. They're playing West Virginia. I want to start there because we all know that Syracuse-West Virginia is a big-time rivalry, the Schwartzwalder Trophy. There's so much to this. They don't like each other. West Virginia constantly talks trash, and the last time that Syracuse played them in the Pinstripe Bowl, all they did was talk trash, and Syracuse said, all we did was beat you not once, not twice, but three times in a row. Here is another opportunity to go up against each other. Bring me into your initial broad-scope thoughts of having West Virginia back on the Syracuse map.
1: I think it's it's a great matchup, you know, number one. You got two of the top quarterbacks to me in the country, um, two offenses that um, play fast and, you know, score a lot of points. So it'll be, you know, a fun situation for, uh, you know, the fans. Too. Both, both, both both universities travel very well when it comes to, you know, bowl games. And, um, you know, I just think this is a, a, a great matchup. I think that um, this is a a rivalry Um, so I think the bowl committee did a great job of pairing you know these two-story universities up um, in in a bowl game so I I think it's a a great situation Um, but of course we're we're the better team and um, they do most of the talking and we do most of the hitting so that's what I
0: and why is it like that? Well, you know, West Virginia really likes to talk, and that's what guys like Jerome Smith and whatnot were telling me about the last game is that they they love to tell Syracuse how Syracuse is insignificant. What what it what is that? You know, and and, and was the was the trash talk from West Virginia there when you played them?
1: Yeah, it was there, um, but you know, it just made for better competition. You know, we we had. Uh, You know some some really tough games against West Virginia I lost against them my senior year Um, I think it was my junior year we had you know the big uh, bench clearing brawl down there Um, you know those guys were hitting me late tried to let the referees know and I kind of lost my cool and um, you know fortunately wasn't thrown out the game Chris Gedney made a great catch and you know, we won that game down there and, um, it's just been a rivalry, uh, for a long, long time, even before I got to Syracuse. So, um, you know, I, I'm all for it. I just think, you know, some, some guys talk and, you know, my thing is, if you talk, can you go out and back it up? And, um, you know, Syracuse has been down for a while. So I think West Virginia, um, has maintained um, and probably had better seasons than we have, So uh, I, I don't have a problem with them doing the talking. But, you know, now we're back, and this is one way, you know, to see who's better is to actually play each other. So uh, once, the, once the ball kicks off, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens.
0: And when we look at the rivalry between West Virginia and Syracuse, the largest margin of victory in this rivalry is 45 to nothing on Syracuse's side back in 1960. 43 to nothing in 1993 from West Virginia. The longest win streak for West Virginia was eight games in a row from 2002 to 2009. Longest win streak for Syracuse in the rivalry was five in a row from 1977 to 1981. The current win streak goes to Syracuse. They've won three in a row from 2010 to 2012 and Syracuse has 33 wins in the head to head matchup with West Virginia who has 27. So Syracuse owning the head to head 33 wins to 27 on the side of West Virginia. Just you know when you when you hear, when you hear that you hear those numbers speaking here with Marvin Graves that Syracuse has the best of the overall record and their win streak is also on the side of Syracuse. Just what just what you think about that, knowing that Syracuse in the most recent history has gotten the best of West Virginia, and overall, including in your history, has more wins than West Virginia does.
1: I just think um, it goes to show that when you're on top, and I'm just talking this rivalry, um, the team that, that wants to be on top does most of the talking. I think the record and the win streak shows that Um, you know we do less talking and we actually come out and produce on game day so um again i I think this is a this is what sports is about um again i don't have a problem with you know guys talking and i just think it makes uh it brings out the best in, in in coaching staffs it brings out the best in the fans it brings out the best in the players and, you know, guys are really out there leaving it on the field. So um, I think it's a really good thing to to have uh, a team that's gunning for you and you go out there and shut them down.
0: That coming from Marvin Graves, Syracuse Orange quarterback alum, speaking with us here this morning. We typically have our Monday morning quarterback obviously on Monday, and he's here on Wednesday this week speaking on the Syracuse-West Virginia rivalry. To go back to your games against West Virginia, Marvin, just – What you could say to go a little bit deeper into it, just some of those biggest moments. I know you mentioned some stuff, but other things that you remember about the rivalry with West Virginia while you were at Syracuse as quarterback?
1: I just remember um, the games being very hard-hitting. There was a lot of trash talking. Um, You know, it's almost like a divisional game in the NFL. You know, when you're so familiar with a team and you play them all the time and um, you're just so used to each other and um, you play a lot of the same teams and that's just where rivalries are born. You know, Syracuse, West Virginia is no different than, um, you know, the Bears, Packers, um, the Cowboys, Redskins, um, you know, games like that that that's what this game is it it, it is a rivalry Um, you know West Virginia has been a solid program for a long time you know I have a lot of respect for them Um, and I think they do have a lot of respect as well for Syracuse but you know this is what sports is about it's about some of the best teams playing you know sometimes teams don't like each other that's good too Um, but at the end of the day, it's sports and, you know, for the fans, this is what you want. You want, you know, that it's, it's like a boxing, it's like a boxing match where, you know, the guys spend all this time training and, you know, trash talking and then, you know, it's a build up to, you know, the game. So, um, very hard hitting games, you know, both teams were well prepared, um, you know, just just the type of games that you, you really want to play in. And, and, and they brought the best out of me. I'll definitely say that. It's one one of the teams and one of the rivalries that, you know, when you showed up and you have your game plan together and, you know, things don't work, you have to make your adjustments. And at the end of the day, you really just want to win by one point. So, um, again, I'm very glad that, you know, this is this is the bowl game. And, you know, I think both both fan bases will travel well and, you you know, I think it'll be a great, great time in Florida.
0: And, you know, here on Wake Up Call, we accurately, and I want to thank my sources close to the situation for their help in this, we accurately, a couple weeks before, prior to the announcement, had Syracuse, West Virginia. We had them in the bowl game and then Camping World and then uh, Syracuse, West Virginia coming with that as well as as part of the package that we thought would be the best situation so this is the reality of the bowl. It's gonna happen. It's in Orlando, Florida. There was some talk that Syracuse could go back to the pinstripe bowl, and I said no offense to the pinstripe bowl, but you win nine games, you deserve to go south if you're if you're a team here like Syracuse up north. Just what you think about the ultimate decision to put them in Orlando. It's not a New Year's six bowl, but it's pretty darn close at December twenty eighth.
1: I think it's I think it's great for um you know, the players and the coaches in my opinion. I think the Penn Strike Bowl is a good bowl. But I mean we're we're from East. I agree with you. You know, these guys deserve to after a long tough season, a successful season, um, I think they deserve to go uh to Florida and, you know, spend a week or so down there and uh the camaraderie that you know, these guys will have, the memories that these guys will have just with the week alone. Um, and if you actually come out with a victory, um, you know, it's just something that you'll just never forget. Um, I just really believe it was the right move. I think the pinstripe bowl um, is a good bowl, but I feel like that's more of a home game for, for Syracuse, and I just feel like this was the best best decision and a good decision uh, to send both of these two-story uh
0: and to have this opportunity that Syracuse has moving forward, you and I spoke early on in the season, and you said you believed that this team could win 11 games the way that they were playing. I had them at 9-3 and three. at the end of it all. I said 9-3 and three makes the most sense to me. At the beginning of the season, before the season started, I had them at 5-7, and 6-6, six and six. and then a few weeks in, we spoke when I was doing one of my shows from down in Florida, and you said they could win up to 10-11 games. I had them at 9-3. and three. They got to 9-3. and three. You and I both were correct that this team was trending upward. Just what you could say and, and how it feels to be an alum who thought they could and then realizes they can. Because we were just a few weeks into the season when you and I had that conversation, and now it's a reality.
1: Sure. Well, um, when you follow when you follow the program, and you've definitely followed it closer than I have. Um, but I followed the program. I followed the coaches coming in. I followed, you know, the players and just, you know, what's been going on. Um, I just got a sense of Dino Babers. I met him one time. And just being up there and, and being around some of the guys and, you know, watching the game and then this following, this year here coming up, um, it, it was just more of – not only a biased feeling, but it was a gut feeling that um, we were heading in the right direction. And I just think the work that was put in, um, it showed, you know, Dino had signature wins every year, the first two years, you know, this year speaks for itself, Um, you know, really could have been Let's say between Clemson and Pitt, if we could have won one of those games, two close, competitive games, you know this team was very close to to being undefeated. So um, it was more of a it was more of a gut feeling that um, after everything that we've been through, um, you can kind of see the tide start to turn. And I just think with the parity in college football, uh, we've been through some rough times, and I just don't feel like. That those rough times last all the time, and I just felt like the staff was heading in the right direction, and and that's pretty much
0: why I just had that gut feeling that we really could do it. Speaking here with Syracuse quarterback alum Marvin Graves, and and on our predictions uh, during the season that Syracuse could get to the point that they're at now to uh, do what Marvin had is a potential ten or eleven wins. I had him at nine and three, and they ended up at nine and three, so. Good stuff coming from our conversation before, and I, I need to make sure that we replay that for you all here on the broadcast in the in, in the very not too distant future here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. But you know, Marvin, you and I have had so many conversations about this, and again, our belief in this team, our belief that you know, how the season started, really showed something, really did something. The last time Syracuse won four games in a row was back when you were quarterback in 1991. You and I had spoken about that before, but just hindsight 2020 and letting it sink in over the last few weeks. Just what this team has shown you by doing things like that. Because when I go down the laundry list for you, first time Syracuse was 4-0 to start a season since you did it in 91. First time Syracuse has won at least nine games in a season since... 2001 first time Syracuse is ranked in the AP and the coaches poll together in 17 years first time Syracuse has ever been ranked in the college football playoff poll when you hear all of that what does it say to you about where things are at right now
1: it just says that we have uh, the right guy at the helm it says that you know we have to make sure that you know that guy is happy And it says that the sky's the limit. I just think that, um, like I said, there's a lot of parity in college football. Um, You know, college football is a win-now type of deal. And like I said, we've been through a lot. We've been through several coaches. We've been through um, a lot of disappointing seasons. And I just think that, you know, when you have – if you're in the situation we're in now, you really have to start at the top. And I just think that <clears throat> um, we have the right guy at the helm. Um, he's proving that um, his system works. Um, he's proven that he can bring in, you know, quality guys um, that can buy into the system, and he, he's built a team. And I think people really, um, really don't understand that word team, um, how important it is. Together, everybody achieves more. And I just feel like it starts at the top and it trickles down and I think, you know, Dino has done a good job along with the staff and, and the players as well into in buying in to what um what he's trying to accomplish. And I think, you know, nine and three, you know, says a lot. I mean, it's not easy to win college football games and we, we, we know that over the past, you know, decade or so at Syracuse how we've struggled. So, um you know, I just think it's a great situation and I just think we need to embrace it and get behind, you know, this head coach and this coaching staff
0: and you know, make sure that they have everything they need to continue to move forward. And seeing what this coaching staff has done, do you believe that, you know, watching four and eight but a win over Virginia Tech in the top twenty five and a team that went to the ACC championship game and then four and eight and it went over reigning national champion Clemson and now nine and three what are you seeing from Dino? Is this is this a fluke? Is this a one hit wonder? Do you do you see the makings of something special? How do you look at it?
1: I see it as the makings of something special. Um, <clears throat> I just I just believe that you don't get nine wins in college football playing in the ACC. Um, I think that you know his system is proving to work. I think he's showing that. Um, you know, he can get guys to buy into his system. Um, it's one thing to go out there and coach and, you know, put it on the chalkboard and, and see it on film. But when you actually get the guys actually going out on the field and producing, um, you know, that that's what coaching is about. It's not about, you know, where Dino played and where else he coached and, you know, his stats. It's about taking the group of guys that you have, um, implementing your system, and getting these guys, teaching these guys the system, and then they actually go out there and execute it. And if you look at the 12 games that we played this year, um, we fell short, very short, on two games. So I think Dino is, a, is, and I've said it before, I just think he's a, he's a good coach. Um, I want to say great, but I don't want to throw that out there right now. I want to say great because we've struggled so much at Syracuse, but I just think he's the right guy right now. I just think that. You know he's taken a Syracuse program that has been pretty bad. I'll say that, and kind of rallied the troops. And I just, I just feel like if if, if no one can see that, then you really don't want to win. I said so. It, it seems like he's a, a, a player coach. I like his demeanor. Um, you see, he comes up when the players come off to the sideline. You know they're talking to each other. They're laughing sometimes. You know, and, and that's just what you want. Because at the end of the day, we want to win games. But if you can't have fun doing it, um, then I, I just don't I, – I would play for Dino. I wish I could have played for Dino. And that's no disrespect to Coach McPherson or Pasqualone. But, you know, if I could go back in time and play in this system, I think I would have a great time.
0: And, and what about being in this system? I mean, when you say, I wish I could have played for Dino – What about what he's doing in the system and and, and in some of the things you've spoken about with the culture, are you really excited about that would make you want to come and and be recruited by them and play for Dino Babers, if you could do that right now?
1: I just think he plays. He just designs his plays and his game to his players' strengths, and those guys are able to actually just go out there and play football. They're not second-guessing. They're just going out there and playing football, and... Um, it's, it just seems like it's more of a winning attitude right now. Like, winning is expected. You know, it doesn't seem like we're hoping to win. It seems like we expect to win. And I can't say that for the past, you know, five to ten years. Previous to, to Dino being here.
0: So we see what Dino's been doing. We see this team at 9-3. and three. We see Syracuse's successes. Eric Dungey came back in the game after going out against Notre Dame and having back spasms of being in the hospital. He finds his way back onto the field. Nobody, you know, the, mum, Mums the word on whether or not he was going to play. Allegedly late in the week in practice, he came out and just started getting after it and striking. Rex Culpepper said that he healed like Wolverine, and he, he has six touchdowns against Boston College. On the road in that big-time rivalry game, the Syracuse wins 42-21. to Dungey has three rushing touchdowns, three passing touchdowns. Just what you could say about the young man to not only have the grit that he has that we have seen, but to have back spasms, to have never finished a regular season in Syracuse history that he's been there due to injury, and somehow find his way back onto the field, and not only on the field, but for six touchdowns to lead Syracuse to scoring double on Boston College and win that game on the road.
1: I mean he's the guy's the ultimate competitor, man. Like those are the type of guys that you want on your team. And, you know, he could have easily, you know, shut it down and said, I had a great career, and, you know, I broke some records. But, you know, that guy is the ultimate teammate. He wanted to be out there with his guys. He wanted to, you know, play in this big game. He wasn't afraid of the moment. And I just feel like, you know, he he's a guy, when he looks back on it, I believe that, and we all look back on it, you know, we're going to mention Dungey's name for a long time because he's going to be, he is one of the reasons why this program is turned around at this point. And, and I think that he's setting the precedent for, you know, the quarterbacks to come and the quarterbacks that follow, and just the, the, the athletes that come, his toughness and his grit and his, his willingness to just lay his body on the line to win football games. Um, you, you just couldn't ask for a better uh, student-athlete. And, you know, he, he's the reason why, one of the main reason why reasons why we're at 9-3 right now. And I, I definitely believe that, you know, he also brought out the best in some other players by his toughness, by his grit. And I also believe that he made, you know, the backup quarterback better. He made the backup quarterback confident that he can go in there and and produce and help us win games like he did this year. So, um, you know, Dungey will be remembered in Syracuse history for a long time and um, is well-deserved. And, you know, again, this this coaching staff and and these players, um, they're they're the reason why this program is is taking that turn uh, back to where we know it could be. And, um, you know, he, he's a legend at Syracuse, and he's not even done yet.
0: Well, and, and numbers-wise, Marvin, you know, Dungy is going to be on that list with you, with Donovan McNabb, with Ryan Nassib. What does that say to you? I mean, do you feel like it's, it's, it's fair and it's right and it's good to put him in that company because – that is the company that he is in. you know the, you know you are the company you keep and right now in the record books he's there with you. He's there with with Donovan and he's there with Ryan Ass currently.
1: Hey, I mean the, the proof is in the work. you know uh, the numbers don't lie. Um, you know you have to go out there and actually win ball games and you have to put those stats up. Um, obviously it's a team game. But um you know, he took his position and ran with it at quarterback. Like as an alumni, as a former quarterback at Syracuse, like that's how you play the game. You know, you play it with all your heart, you play tough, you lead by example, and you know he deserves to he deserves everything that um, has come his way. And you know he should be in the record books if that's what the numbers say, he should be there. Most importantly, like I said earlier, you know, records are made to be broken. He'll be in the record books for a long time, but I think he set a standard and he's a big part, which is very important. He's a big part of this program being turned around. And how many quarterbacks can say
0: that? And when you look at him and you look at, you know, what he's done and what he's accomplished, I spoke with a few of the Syracuse uh, fellow alumni as well about this do you believe that dungy should get a look in the nfl is he an nfl quarterback is he an nfl player what do you what do you do if you are a general manager in the draft and and eric dungy is still on the board
1: well you know i i really can't make that call i think he's definitely a football player i think he's the type of guy that you could at least bring to camp um and just see what happens. You know, I think there is, you know, maybe a team or two that he probably can go and, you know, sit on the bench and hold the clipboard and learn and possibly become, you know, a, a quarterback down the road in the NFL. You also have the CFL where you have a lot of players that have had, you know, very good careers in the in the Canadian Football League. Um, so I, I, I do think there's a place for him in professional uh, sports if he chooses to play. Uh, where that is, you know, I don't really know. You know, everybody's looking for, you know, this this one specific type of quarterback, and he has to do this, and he has to be this tall. Uh, what they're not looking at is the intangibles and how tough, and, and this guy's a winner. And you can't measure that in a 40-yard dash or a bench press. So, um, you know, I think he definitely can play professional football. Uh, it just depends on the team. Uh, that would would draft him, would bring him in, and how they would utilize him. You know, you look at a guy like, um, can't think of his first name, but the kid down in New Orleans, uh, Hill. Um, Here's a guy that's playing some receiver. He's coming in, uh, running some of the uh, uh, RPO stuff uh, in New Orleans. So um, he's a guy that I can kind of compare Dungy to. Uh, So I, I I do believe he can play uh nfl football because he's a winner man he's a winner and you know will he be uh, a guy that sits in the pocket and throw who knows you have to give him the opportunity you have to coach him up um this guy has shown that he can win ball games he's shown that uh, he's tough he's shown that he's going to lay it on the line for his team and those are the
0: kind of guys that i want in any organization that i have that coming from marvin graves Syracuse Orange quarterback alum. Marvin, uh, and finishing up here before I let you go, to go to your Redskins. I know you're a big Redskins fan and you're in that area. They allegedly had brought in Colin Kaepernick and then allegedly made the decision that he didn't fit. Colin Kaepernick, you know, to everybody that thinks he wasn't or he was or maybe it's true or maybe it's not true, it seems pretty evident that he's been blackballed from the NFL how do you look at the situation and what do you think about the most recent move of the Redskins to allegedly bring him in and then think that maybe he's not a good fit for the team with the injury to Alex Smith
1: um well I I don't know if we actually brought him in I think we brought him up um and and I haven't really done any research on it but I did hear some comments um that Jake Rudin basically was saying that uh, if we'd have brought him in in Week One, um, he would be okay. Uh, it's Week 14. You know, it, the guy's been blackballed. You know, this this whole thing with Colin Kaepernick. I just I think it just shows where we are as a society um, as far as race relations. I think it shows, you know, how um, you know if a person of color stands up for what's right, how how they're treated. It's like we want to keep it hush-hush. It just shows that where we are as a country, I think it's pretty sad um, that we are still this way, that certain people um, can speak and do any kind of speaking engagements or anything that promotes the NFL, as long as you're a good old boy. Colin Kaepernick, all he did was take a knee, um, a peaceful protest, for something that, you know, is an issue in this world. You know, police brutality and, you know, things of that nature. People are losing their lives over what he stood up for. What's so wrong with that? And, you know, the NFL, um, you know, blackballing this guy, you know, it's just sad. You know, it's really just sad that, you know, we are where we are uh, as far as race relations. We are where we are as far as you know, NFL players, you know, look at the quarterbacks that's out here, man. Like, really. Like, some of these guys, you know, my wife told me I needed to start loosening up and go back out to Redskins Park. Like, some quarterbacks are bad. And, you know, they continue to be on these rosters. They continue to make money. And, you know, it's just like anything else. It's it's the buddy-buddy system. Mark Sanchez, you know, should not be with the Redskins. He's with the Redskins because... It's a buddy-buddy system. He was familiar with, you know, a few of our coaches. And so that's, that's, that's what it is. Um, you know, it, it, it's just it, it's just sad, you know, and, and we have to deal with it. You know, I was an African-American quarterback. And, you know, I had to deal with certain things. I was never even considered. I wasn't brought to any NFL camp. Um, I played in the CFL. And, you know, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade, you know, any of my experiences for the world. But, you know, when you sit back and really look at it, um, it, it's just pretty much sad that, um, you know, people choose to work with uh, people that they're more, I guess, comfortable with, uh, whether it's the color of their skin, whether it's, um, you know, Bobby's grandson or what the case may be. Um, I, I just think it's pretty sad, and, and for us to be um, the United States of America,
0: I think we really look bad to other country, so, um, you know, that, that's kind of my take on it. That coming from, from Marvin Graves, and Marvin, you know, rightly so, to be in a situation to feel as you feel, and, you know, to, to, to look at, you know, what Colin Kaepernick has done and what that has done to his career how, you know, choosing what he believed was right <clears throat> ultimately has affected what's happened in in his life and, and how, you know, he can move on or not move on in the NFL because of this stuff. So, you know, it, it's a sad day in sports to see something like this happen. It's good to see that, you know, <clears throat> you know there are organizations like Nike that do want to see him have success and, you know, obviously are, are building off of it with him and, and finding something with him to speak about. But at the end of the day, you know, this, this man fought for something that he thought was right. And ultimately it took the game away from him. And that, that is a hard pill to stomach. It's a, it's a hard thing to swallow. And it's an unfortunate thing about our society that desperately needs to be changed that you shouldn't have to choose what's right over, what you believe is right over your dreams and vice versa. So, Hopefully things will get better, hopefully race relations, I can't believe I'm saying this in 2018, will improve because the fact that they have to improve at all, ever, especially now in 2018, over 2,000 years after Jesus, you know, had walked this earth, it's just, it's beyond me. So it's my hope and my prayer that things get better and, you know, obviously that, that people like Colin Kaepernick don't have to feel what they're feeling right now and and to have to go through what they're going through at this moment in time, because the sadness of it all above everything is that, you know, there's little kids that are watching this, this young man do what he does and go after what he's gone after. And granted, I understand people's connection with the flag and, and how, you know, it was, it was poor taste to some people, but it was never about the flag. It was always about the greater message. And if people can't see that, then they don't want to see that. So you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's been an unfortunate thing. And now I just hope that times get better, not just for Colin Kaepernick, but for everybody that comes after him. So, you know, with, with that being said, I kind of want to let the, the last note and the last message come from you on this edition of our Monday Morning Quarterback, even though we're doing it here on a Wednesday. Just what you could say about, you know, your desire and your hopes for this country and and just what you've seen and what you've learned. Because, you know, Marvin, you and I can sit here, and we can talk until we're blue in the face. But unfortunately, some people of different colors and different descents can't sit with one another, and it's beyond me why that's even a thing anymore. So I want to I wanna open the floor to you and let you kind of take it away from here.
1: Well, I appreciate that. Well, this is what I'm thinking about, Dan. Um, you know, there's good people and there's, you know, bad people. Um, people do make mistakes, and people deserve, you know, a second chance. But I want you and the listeners to think about this. We're at a playground, and there's 15, let's say, two, three-year-old, four-year-olds, babies, kids. All different ethnicities, all different backgrounds, everything. When I see kids playing on the playground, it's not about their color. It's not about where they come from. It's not about where their mom or dad works. Those kids are just out there having fun. They don't care what each other look like. They don't care where the parents live or where the parents come from. So I'm saying that to say, as we all get older, there's certain certain things that are actually taught to us. There's certain things that are put in the media to brainwash us about another race or another um, ethnicity or gays or lesbians or whatever the case may be. A lot of this stuff is taught. So I think what we have to do is really take a look in the mirror and we have to start at home and say, am I a good person? Am I giving somebody an opportunity without looking at where they come from, what their skin color is, um, what their dad did, what their mom did. Are we really good people? Am I a good person? Am I fair? Because when I see kids out here playing, I just see kids playing. It doesn't matter what they look like. So for me, you know, us as grownups, us as supposedly the leaders, us as people that are supposed to be teaching kids how we're supposed to live in this world. We're teach we're not teaching the proper things. So the hatred, the racism, the sexism, all of this stuff is taught, man. And I think us as, you know, grown people, older folks, it starts with us because we lead the kids and you know, it, it's just sad. And for me, um, You know, I I just start with my own household. You know, I have a wife, I have four daughters, and I go from there. I take care of my household, and then, you know, anybody that I interact with, you know, I just try to meet you at face value. I don't care if you're white. I don't care if you're Indian. I don't care if you're Ethiopian. You know, I'm going to give you respect, and I hope that you can give me the same respect. Now, are we all going to be friends? No. But we can be associates of some kind even if it's just saying hi to one another so uh, that's just my take on it I just think you know we all need to look in the mirror and we all need to go to that playground and watch the kids play and I don't see no reason why we as grown-ups can't do the same thing
0: that coming from Marvin Graves Syracuse Orange quarterback alum speaking some true words this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora always speaking true words but it's true. And, it, and and it's real. Like you said, playground, bunch of different colors, bunch of different backgrounds, bunch of different religions, bunch of different mom makes this money. Dad makes that money. Dad's home. Mom's home. We have both. We're foster kids, whatever. Kids don't care when they're on a playground. Kids just want to play. When you grow up as a little kid, you look up at your mom and dad and you look to them to see, is this wrong? Is this right? And it's the mom or the dad that grabs you and says, don't play with that little boy over there. So, you know, it's it's their behavior that is a learned behavior that is taught to these children who are who have innocent minds and innocent hearts who don't know any better. So if we want to change the world that we live in to something better, it's on us to be smarter and it's on us to ask ourselves the questions of why do we feel this way? Why do we treat people this way? And is there something inside of us that's damaged to the point where we need to fix it? Because children do not need to be living in a world where their parents' prejudice and sexism and racism has to be passed down. So it does come at home, and it comes with people asking themselves why. And the inability to ask themselves why shows that there's a problem in and of itself. Because if you know deep down that something is wrong, you know it's wrong. And if you're unwilling to say why – like, I mean, I've said this forever – People forget, they fight for so long, they forget what they're fighting about. And I feel like that's where we are as a society right now. If if there's a black person who loves and cares for their family, and a white person, and a brown person, and a yellow person, and a blue, and an orange, and a teal, and whatever, and they all love and care for their families, they don't want to hurt anybody, they're not swearing, they're not yelling, they're not violent, then can't we all just honestly get along in the sense of, of having that connection? There's enough nasty in this world that I don't care what color you are. If you're a good person, you can sit on my couch. You can have dinner at my table. You can hang out with me, and you can talk with me till your face turns blue because the reality is no matter where good is you got to attach to it no matter where good has found itself you need to hold on to it and bring it together so to say well you're a good person and i'm a good person but you're a different color than me so we can't hang out it's just going to continue to make this world worse and worse because the bad people don't mind getting together for a party every once in a while it's it's the people that you know are good that for some reason you know they want to spread good in this world but they spread hate at the same time so If you really want to know how easy it is, just go open up your door, look to your neighbor across the street, and irregardless of of what color they are and what this and what that and what nationality and race and religion, if they're a nice person and you're a nice person, wouldn't it be better to have both of you watching the neighborhood than both of you watching your own house and nobody else's?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Very well said,
0: Dan. And I appreciate it as always because, you know, you help to open these doors and build these bridges every day with me on the show every week that we get to talk. So it is with great pleasure and, and honor and gratitude that I that I have you here with me, Marvin, every week and it's good to have you back and I, I really honestly do appreciate the fact that you talk about the bigger message with me.
1: Absolutely, man, and I appreciate being on and you know, Syracuse is, is my second home. Um, you know, I'm a kid from You know, the inner city of Washington, D.C., and I came there, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and Ivan Fears, Coach McPherson, you know, those guys saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself, and, you know, I'm honored to still be attached with the university, um, you know, in 2018, and I graduated in 1994, so um, I appreciate you just as much.
0: Well, thank you so much for that, and thank you for those kind words. And and obviously, we always look forward to to have you here on the show, and I look forward to speaking with you very soon this upcoming week, Marvin. And in the meantime, God bless to your skins and continued support of Syracuse. I know you'll continue to do that as you always have, and I look forward to talking with you soon. All right. Have a great week, man. Take care.